Ladies and gentlemen, the Britpack United Nations is back once again. Gorgeous Georgian Ghost from MMA Junkie Radio are here. Richard Hunter from Phone Booth Fighting is here. My name is Simon Head. I am from the Britpack here in the UK. So three Americans, one Brit, one big fight card coming down the line next weekend. UFC 276 it is International Fight Week. All roads lead to Las Vegas. Uh, assuming that Heathrow don't cancel my flight, I will be there as well. All hell is breaking loose over here in the UK at the moment. Strikes, baggage issues, airports cancelling flights. So cross your fingers. Um, Have you gotten a beat on? Is it certain routes or certain airlines? Have you cleared a few of those? Obstacles? Yeah, it's basically the over the last few days. Heathrow have been told to basically scrap, or all, all of the airlines operating out of Heathrow have been told trim your output by 10% basically. Um, and uh, so far, given I'm flying on Sunday and we're recording this on a Thursday night, I've not heard anything. So cross fingers, touch wood, all that stuff. Uh, myself and Abby will be on a flight over on Sunday mid afternoon and we'll get to Vegas about six o'clock in the evening on Sunday night, hopefully. But um, that's enough about my travel plans. We've got a big fight week coming up and uh, loads coming down the line. Obviously it's the, two title fighters at the top of the card. Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier for the middleweight title. Alexander Volkanovsky in a trilogy fight. Weird kind of trilogy fight because it's 2-0 to Alexander Volkanovsky in that trilogy against Max Blessed Holloway, the former champion. That is the co-main event. We've got some other good stuff on that fight card as well. It's part of a, a much bigger week. Loads of activity going on in Las Vegas. Uh, we've got grappling uh, contests. There's boxing going on. Uh, it's all at the Las, Las Vegas Convention Center, and uh, I think I'm going to be hanging out there on Friday. So uh, anybody who uh, sees me there, feel free to come over, say hello. Lads, big week for Vegas. You guys are out in that part of the world. How much of a big deal is International Fight Week compared mm -hmm. to most other <laughs> UFC event weeks? Is it just entirely dependent on who the main event is, or is this always a much bigger week in Las Vegas for, for, for fight fans? George? I would say both because, I mean, an epic main event, you you know, that, that really, really is the engine, right? That everyone's just pumped up for that fight and you talk about the fight and um, especially if it's supported by a strong card. So we've been lucky that UFC 100 and 200 have landed on those, but then we've also had some just really really epic main events with some superstars i'm not saying israel adesanya isn't that i think he's getting there but he's not he just hasn't taken that final step of saying oh yeah 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 i mean you know pay-per-view king or anything like that um so we're lacking a little bit there and then in terms of does it take over the town no but it's little bubble is pretty tremendous. Whatever it's doing, when the fans are there, that's all they can think about. It's our Super Bowl. So whether it's a host hotel or whether it's a, 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 a spot where, like they're maybe where they're having the Hall of Fame or the convention like you mentioned, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's buzzing. You, there's no other place you'd want to be. But, you know, I've seen when, like, the NBA All-Star Game was in town, and like it just seemed like that was a whole other animal um, maybe even like your Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather fights are maybe just one notch. And this is back in the day. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's huge. It's huge is, you know, either way, no matter what it's huge. Goes, what's the, what's the one fight on that, on that fight card that is sort of leaping out to you? There's so many, they've just announced Cowboy Cerrone is jumping in on that card mm. against Jim Miller. Which for hardcore fans, that is that is a massive addition to the fight card. It was going to be Bobby mm. Green. Bobby Green, big favorite of uh, I think probably all four of us. Great, great guy to watch fight. Always entertaining. He's off the fight card, and Donald Cowboy Cerrone is stepping in. That's going to be a, a welterweight fight now. I think Jim Miller versus Cowboy Cerrone at one seventy. So that's a great addition. But is besides that one goes, what what what's jumping off the page for you? Well, Volkanovski and Holloway, just I'm okay with it just because Volkanovski keeps improving and he's such a dominant force. And boy, can Max Holloway throw a wrench in those plans. But really, it's the other one, man. Jared Cannonier does not get the respect that he deserves. I think he's going to give Israel Adesanya some big problems. 
I think that's going to be a fun chess match type of a fight. And I and uh, I really think it's going to steal the show. I don't know why people don't talk about that fight very much, but I think it's going to be great. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big week, Richard. I mean, what's 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 going to be the standout the standout attraction that week for well, that week? I mean, logic would point you toward the Volkanovski Holloway trilogy, just because we've we've got a, a precedent of two previous fights, and I'll bet it does not disappoint, especially with you know, I mean, it's kind of crazy to say that somebody's got something to prove here, but I mean, the, the pressure's on Holloway, you know, to, to, um, this is kind of one of those things where, you know, if, if he doesn't win this fight, Volkanovsky is still the champion. There's not going to be a fourth one if it goes three and oh, and boy, you want to talk about a glass ceiling. That's not going to be able to be cracked at that point in that division if you were uh, Holloway, you'd just be sitting there waiting for somebody to knock Volkanovsky off. So I think there's a lot of um, high stakes with that fight. Uh, Goes makes a good point, though. You know, the main it's it's weird to say that the main event could be a sleeper fight uh, because by definition, it's the main event. But uh, I could uh, I could easily see that happening as well. I was also thinking, have we checked in on our uh, on our fantasy promoter booking ledger lately. Cause I think I've got several fighters on this. I know I took Lauren Murphy. Did I take Sean Strickland too? He's on I that. Think so. Huh? You do? Yeah. This could be you a good week. Cases on your team, dude. Right. That's yeah. That's why we talked about it. Right. So, um, I mean me, I'd say all the focus is probably going to be on me and what kind of movement my roster. I mean, will you talk about a breakout opportunity this weekend? Yeah, I need to I need to dig out those teams and and uh, see what's going on. I know that my team has been decimated. I picked Yoanni and Jacek to go in there, beat Whaley Zhang, and eventually become champion. She loses and then retires. So that's that's great. <laughs> um, so, that's never so, a good sign. You know that's 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 not <laughs> at least, least your fighter hot man. Mine can't get a visa and get out of his damn country. Yeah. Ali Isayev. Yeah, I just noticed the PFL. They've got an event. Uh, tomorrow night as we sit here recording this on a Thursday and that heavyweight tournament or heavyweight season. And I guess this is the problem with like tournament or season based MMA is you are really reliant on the majority of the fighters staying in one piece in order to preserve the, the sort of the integrity of the competition, right? There are three new heavyweights fighting in the, in, in, in that, in that season on Friday. Yeah. Um, one of them being uh, Juan Adams, uh Maurice, Maurice Green, Green. Yeah. crochet boss he's in there as well so that's three heavyweights are going to be in that in that field just because they've lost two due to injury and one due to visa issues and that's kind of the tricky thing right but um but yeah this it's, it's weird like Jared Cannonier, as you said goes doesn't get the respect he deserves like he, he used to fight at heavyweight you know talk about heavyweight he used to fight at heavyweight and if you look at the before and after pictures of what he looked like as a heavyweight and he was knocking people out of heavyweight. Now he's down there. He looks like a superhero at middleweight. Um, and he's going to take some putting away. He's going to take some putting away. It's uh, If I was betting on this fight, I'd probably be looking at the uh, the over. Because, um, I, I, you know, I don't see Israel Adesanya finishing him early in the fight just because Cannoneer is used to taking taking shots from much bigger, heavier guys. So, But we'll see how that one pans out and, the thing with the Volkanovski Holloway fight, I want to get your your take on this. Goes, you there is an argument that if Volkanovski wins the title, he could move up to lightweight and challenge for the lightweight title. I know that's something he's interested mm. in. If Max Holloway loses the fight, based on what Richard just said, and he's completely right, what is left for him at 145 pounds at that point? He's proven he's miles better than everybody else, except for Mister A. Volkanovski of Australia, right? Maybe he moves up to 155 pounds as well. So, but perhaps more permanently. So it's a real crossroads fight, I think, for both of these guys, but particularly for for Max Holloway. I mean, what what do you think we're gonna see from him win, lose, or draw after this fight? Well, what's what's kind of silly about the whole thing is he's going into a fight where he's already lost twice. But in my mind, and I think in his mind, he's carrying a momentum off of a win. Because I think like most people thought, he won that fight. I know deep down inside, he felt like he won it. 
I think he feels like he's maybe a little bit in Volkanovsky's head. Um, so I actually think he's going to go in there and give him uh, the best Max Holloway we've ever seen. But if he were to take that loss, I don't know, man. I, he's just He just doesn't seem to have that frame to be successful at 155. So I think he just kind of sticks around at 145 and hopes for a miracle, hopes that maybe Volkanovsky moves on or something. But uh, 155, I think, would be bad news for Max Holloway. What about you, George? What would you what would oh. you do if you're if you're advising Holloway? Well, I would agree that he felt it in the Poirier fight. It's just a little bit more. He has muscle, bone density. He's just a thicker guy, a bigger guy. He's a guy that when we do the whole rehydration process again, because remember, guys, they step on the scale and that tells you one thing, but there's a whole other tale that's told on fight night. And I wish they used to do this a lot in boxing. I wish the UFC would. You know, if they don't want to include it in the tail of the tape, it maybe the announcers can share it. I don't know. I just think it's interesting, but there's some really, really big weight discrepancies that uh take place in the sport. Most recently, Valentina Shoshenko said she weighed 130 on fight night, and Talia Santos, who you could tell was a, a bigger gal, she weighed in at 125, but Valentina estimated she was probably fighting at about 140, so she could feel those 10 pounds. You know, it, it made a difference. So with Max, same thing. Max goes up, sure, he'll want to add muscle, but you also don't want to add so much that you use, you lose the fluidity of your game. He's a volume guy, you know. You don't want to get so jacked that y- your your punches just feel awkward, or maybe your cardio loses a little bit of steam. But look, I thought he won fight number two, and I bet you if Alex sat down and watched the fight, he he would have to admit that he could see why some people would be comfortable in calling it for Max. Max fought great, and Max fought great after that when he beat Calvin Cater. The only problem is Alex fought really great also against the Korean Zombie. That's the question, though. Was the Korean Zombie just kind of on a decline, and Alex looked great because he really, you know, maybe the Korean Zombie didn't even belong in there. I mean, the Korean Zombie's had a great career, but he was coming off one win, and then right before that was a loss. You know, it's not like he had, like, a Josh Emmett resume where he's he's won five straight. You know, he was just the bigger name at that time, and he fit the bill. So that's interesting to me to see, even though we can see both guys have improved. Um, I liked the improvement I saw in Max Holloway over Calvin Cater than what I saw in Alex over the Korean Zombie. And it's not an indictment against uh, Volkanovski. I just think the Korean Zombie didn't look didn't look sharp. I mean, he, he really didn't look good, guys. Even before Alex got going, he just wasn't offering much. So I, I expect Max to have a good chance to win. And if he does, that opens things up tremendously. And let's not forget, look, Emmett's earned his spot. If Volkanovski needs to fight someone, it can be him. If Yair looks great against um, Ortega, that should scare Emmett because Yair's more, I think, promotable. I think you know he could maybe leapfrog. And then you got your Arnold Allens, your Bryce Mitchells that are chasing. You know, they just haven't gotten that opportunity because they need to face someone on the way down and get on over them and then become a bigger name. Um, so lots of directions here. I don't recommend Volkanovski move up just yet. I still feel like because he's done these three fights with Max, I feel like you owe it to the division to still, you know, clean up a fight, a fight or two there before you can go. I've wiped out a division. He has not wiped out a division. Yeah. And it's interesting, both George and Goes, you both said that you scored the second fight to Holloway. I did as well. Richard, is is that how you saw it? Do you recall how you how you felt uh that fight went? Who who you thought won that 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 rematch? I think most people agree I, that Volkanovsky took the first one. Yes, I thought Volkanovsky had it. It is one of those fights. I think we were talking about this not too long ago that I haven't gone back and rewatched. Sometimes I'll do that with the the more, you know, if there's any controversy in the decision or anything. But uh, yeah, I had that opinion. However, I also recall having the opinion that I would sure like to see him fight again. Yeah. So I'm just fine with what's happening. You know, there's, these kind of things go one of two ways. It's either, okay, I've, I've seen it. I feel like I know how that's going to play out. We're done with that. Or, yep, that was the winner. And when are we doing it again and again and where, where this case is concerned? Yeah. yeah let, me, let me add to that, Simon, if you don't mind. Hmm. If, if, if Emmett was Max 
and Max had beaten Cater the way Emmett beat him, I don't think he would be taking enough momentum to convince us that we need a trilogy in a in in a series that stands two nothing champion. But because the second fight was so close, and then he steamrolled Calvin Cater. No disrespect to Calvin Cater, but I think even he said that. That really, really helped his campaign for the third shot. And let's not forget, Max, on his own, has had a great featherweight career with three title defenses. So, you know, I know the UFC's not big on booking part threes, but I thought this one was one that they, they got it right, you know, and... But but it, it comes with consequences, and that's the fact that the rest of the division hasn't had much. Look at Kamar Usman pays a consequence in that late, lately people are starting the old Usman versus GSP thing when you see on on Twitter. Yeah, Usman's got the better overall record. He's got the impressive streak going on. He's got uh, five title defenses versus nine. But he's also had a couple retreads there. Sorry, not retreads, replays there in Masvidal and Col Covington, whereas GSP never really doubled up in his defense, his line of defense. So that kind of, I know Usman probably cashed a big check with Masvidal because Masvidal is obviously a pay-per-view guy, but at the same time, it doesn't help his case, you know, in solidifying, which I, I think he wants to go down as the greatest welterweight ever and, and welterweight ever and one of the greatest um, MMA fighters ever, ever. So there always seems to be a consequence to certain little paths you take along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, goes you said, Jared Cannonier massively underrated. I think you can attach that tag to Alex Volkanovsky as well. I really do. I think yeah. you look at his body of work. I know that that rematch with Holloway was super close and uh, at least three of us here think that he won that fight. But even if you look at his overall body of work and his growth as a mixed martial artist in the UFC, Volkanovsky deserves way more respect than he's getting. He's, he's starting to get more now. I think some of his more recent performances uh, have started to resonate a little bit more. And I think the UFC, through commentary at the very least, are beginning to are beginning to push that narrative that he actually is a pound-for-pound pound great in, in the UFC right now. And I think he is. I really do. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's fully won over the, the full hardcore support. Maybe because that second fight with Holloway, who is a traditional fan favorite, right? Who doesn't like Max Holloway? So I think because of that, Volkanovski may still have a bit of a chip on his shoulder and legitimately so, because I don't think he's been getting, you know, his flowers that, that maybe someone with his body of work deserves. And I think he's going to be going out there next, next weekend, looking to really put a stamp on this and, and to try and get a finish. I think if he can get a finish, if he finishes Max Holloway, then that, you know, there can be no argument at that point. And, and uh, you know, we're talking about putting him in the same conversation potentially as someone like Jose Aldo as, as, yeah. as, one of the best featherweight champions of all time. Aldo's got that long, that long lineage, obviously coming up from the WEC, and just his fighting style was perhaps a little more crowd pleasing than Volkanovski. But Volkanovski's just a scrapper, man. You know, he just goes in there like he doesn't know when he's beat. He does not know when he's beat, and he's a proper sort of bring your bring your lunch with you kind of fighter. You know, he's a sort of blue mm -hmm. collar guy, just goes in there and, and just sort of does the business by any means necessary. And I, I think he's great to watch. And I'm a massive fan of Max Holloway. This is For me, this is a dream fight. This is a dream fight. This is when I realized that I was going to this event and they put this fight on the card. This was the one that really got me excited. Knowing if you look at, um, sorry to cut you off, but if you look at sorry. Brian Ortega and you look at the Korean zombie after their fights, if I was the attendee at the hospital and they brought them in, I would have thought they were in some kind of massive car wreck or something. And that's what Volkanovski did to him. And if you look at Volkanovski at the end of those fights, he didn't look too bad. And those are good fighters. Those are quality fighters. And he mopped the floor with them. And he looks better every fight. Like yeah. that dude has massive star written all over him. I wish the UFC would get behind him a little bit more. Yeah. And they, they held a press event um, in Australia before before they flew over. Uh, it was Adesanya, Volkanovski, and Kai Kara France, um, who fights in the following pay-per-view, UFC 277, uh, against Brandon Moreno for the interim flyweight title. Um, and, he, you know, these three guys are huge stars, you know, down in Australia and New Zealand. You know, they're absolutely massive. And surely that next fight, if he wins, if, if he wins this fight against Volkanovski and Adesanya wins his fight against Jared Cannonier, they have to take a show 
to Melbourne. They have mm-hmm. to. They've got to do another big show in Melbourne, whether it's a Rod Laver Arena where they host the Aussie Open Tennis or whether they go for a big stadium show again. I know Dana's not a massive fan of doing that um, from a logistical point of view, but they need to go back down there with a big card. They've got they've got the stars now. They've got the stars now. And if, if Cara France becomes champion, you can have a three you know, sort of three title fights on one card, all from fighters in that part of the world, that would be absolutely huge for them. And uh, yeah, they are they are massive, massive fighters in that part of the world. They need a little bit more respect and, and acknowledgement on this side of the, on this side of things. But yeah, I'm really excited for both those title fights. As you say, I think Adesanya Canada is a little bit under the radar insofar as the competitiveness of it. Volkanovski versus Holloway, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be a barn burner. Let's talk about the middleweight fight that's on that main card. Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira. Now, Strickland has been in the UFC forever. He's been in and around the middleweight division. He's had runs of good results. He's sort of dropped off a little bit, and he's come back, and he's in great form right now. Alex Pereira, former kickboxing champion, has a win, or I think is it one or two wins over Israel Adesanya in competitive fights. He didn't wipe the floor with him, knocked him out, but competitive fights. He's now on his way up. That is clearly the fight that the UFC are looking at next, right? If Adesanya gets past Cannonier and Pereira gets past Sean Strickland and makes enough noise on the microphone on Saturday night, that's going to be the next one, surely. Um, because the middleweight division, they're kind of running out of people for Israel Adesanya to fight. Is it going to be too early for Alex Pereira, though? Only a few fights into his UFC career. What do you reckon, George? I'll tell you what. Why don't I defer to Richard to go first? Because I know he's on a time constraint. And, ah, then, yeah, uh, and then I'll follow up. Yeah, I like your thinking here, Simon, and it's always interesting when, because uh, we don't see it happen very often, but when you can kind of see that that roadmap laid out like three moves ahead, and it's also a situation of the timing being right, because when you ask a question like, well, you know, have we seen enough of somebody to justify this this position or anything? Sometimes it's that's kind of why you need to do this right now or within the next couple of steps. Not saying somebody doesn't deserve their position or won't be around for a long time to come, but I think the UFC has always uh, done something that at times I've had to adjust to, which is the strike while the iron's hot, get the thing done now while all the pieces line up. And there have been times, and maybe this comes from my old boxing sensibilities, where I'm like, well, no, wait, hey, this should build up over three and a half years. There's, you know, we'll just keep these two apart. We'll keep building and building and building. And the UFC's never done that. And uh, I think, to their credit, I think the fans have benefited from that. So, yeah, and it's always, to me, more intriguing to watch a fight when you know that there's that kind of underlying narrative starting to, to shape up. Uh, so yeah, I get, uh, I get a hundred percent, uh, see that as well. And I think it makes the fight all that, uh, all that more, uh, interesting, but also without just a straight up foregone conclusion, that's the other thing too. It's not like, you know, okay, well, after he beat Strickland, it's, it's if. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Strickland, that is, it's going to be his 29th pro fight. He's got 25 wins. Mm-hmm. Pereira is five and one, you know, like the difference in experience is immense, absolutely Mm -hmm. immense. So it's going to be fascinating to see how all this pans out. Uh, Rich, I think you've got to disappear, right? Um, I am going to hit the eject button here. Uh, I just wanted to get my Sean Strickland point in and then that, that was it for me. So uh, I can't top that. Uh, But yes, um, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm glad we continue to build this international goodwill during times of uh, otherwise immense polarization. So let us be, you know, I feel like the only thing we could do to bring the world together more than what we're doing now is if we were all uh, PGA level pro golfers and we could all go play for Saudi Arabia and, uh, you know, do the world a a good deed. Hey, I got a buddy that just texted me. He wants to go to the Haunted Museum. Can you leave him a couple tickets? Steve DiGiorno, can you put it? (laughs) <laughs> check tell out the, the, the DM me on Facebook <laughs> yeah tell him to DM me on Facebook yeah you're right Simon I was just talking about like like you know multiple chapters 
that's a good point. You need to subscribe to our Patreon at the top level to be able to piece all these uh, elements together to get the complete story. All right, you guys have a good day. I will right, talk to we'll you soon. Bye, guys. Take care. All Maybe right. see you next week. Right, well, we're back with uh, the gorgeous Georgian goes the OGs of MMA Junkie Radio, who, uh, fingers crossed, we will we will have beers with at some point next week. But, um, yeah, Strickland versus Pereira is an interesting one, right? It, I love that fight. It's a, it's such an interesting fight because Strickland is predominantly a stand-up fighter. He likes to work in the stand-up, but he has got the ability to take the fight to the mat. He's done it in the past, and he's been successful with it. Alex Pereira is a pure striker and, and a world-class one at that. He has a massive disadvantage when it comes to in-cage experience, but I get I get the sense that probably behind the scenes at the UFC, and this might be being a bit harsh to Sean Strickland, but I get the impression that probably a lot of people behind the scenes at the UFC are really hoping Alex Pereira can get it done and get it done in spectacular fashion. Not necessarily because... Sean Strickland is a controversial character because he kind of is, but more because it's a more sellable fight for Israel Adesanya to fight a guy who they can paint as his nemesis from their kickboxing days. So, um, but it is, it is really early, George. It's so early. And, mm. and is that the danger right now? That, that if Pereira absolutely blows through Sean Strickland and finishes him by knockout at some point in the fight, is it just a natural progression that he immediately gets the next shot at a title or should he have to fight again before he gets a shot at Israel assuming we know what assuming can do but assuming Israel gets past Jerry Cannonier in the main event later that night well because he brings in a ton of experience from kickboxing you know it's not a five and one athlete uh in the sport of mixed martial arts it's, it's a a decorated kickboxer who's now transitioned over but is pretty seasoned, you know what I mean? At least we know that from the stand-up department. But the side plot there with him having knocked out Adesanya in kickboxing, if Pereira plays his cards right, and he has the opportunity to do so, and I'll tell you why, because, yeah, uh, Strickland is love him or hate him. A lot of people have gotten on the bandwagon and, and oh, he's controversial, blah, blah, blah. He speaks his mind. Okay, I'm in. Um, and that's fine. And then there's a lot of people that probably want to see him get, get knocked out. Pereira has a chance to get rid of Strickland or at least just push him back down the ladder and then build up something with Israel Adesanya based off that win. But, you know, it requires you to be a bad guy sometimes. And I know that part of mixed martial arts is those two words at the end, martial arts. And attached to martial arts is a lot of traditions, a lot of respect. I get it. I respect that part of it, but this is also called the ultimate fighting championship. And last I remember in a fight, boy, man, there's many ways that respect and, and you know, everything else traditions go out the window. And that appears to be how our sport is promoted more on the fighting side, more on like, you know what? You pissed me off. And after school, we're going across the street behind that jack-in-the-box, and we're going to throw down. And guess what? The whole school would go, all the freshmen, all the sophomores, all the juniors, and they wanted to watch the two seniors fight or whatever, right? And I use this example. I haven't used it in a while, so I'll use it again. But if you told your buddies, hey, guys, I'm in a karate tournament on Saturday. Um, hopefully you guys can go. Come on. Maybe you're lucky if one guy shows up. For the most part, you know what I mean? It's It doesn't have that feel like, like, like of, um, oh, man, someone's got to eat crow. Someone's... You got to back up your words, you know what I mean? And and that's more of the that that fighting side than the martial arts side. And so Pereira has to tap those buttons on Israel, on the promotion, and on those fans. Look what I just did in this fight. Look what I can do in this upcoming fight and just kind of be the heel. He can get there. Israel Adesanya didn't have that many MMA fights and before he became a champion. So I think part of the reason is because of what I started with. He, he brought over a ton of experience from... Uh, kickboxing you know what i mean and the same would go for some of the judokas like like ronda rousey or kayla harrison they came in you know pretty raw but they had that one ace that they held on to and that was their specialty and then they built off of that so let's see what Pereira can do on the other side the ufc has sean strickland who's got an, a nice streak going he's very very controversial 
he can play the heel to Adesanya's uh, baby face, you know, if he wants to go that route. Um, incredible cardio, incredible chin. I mean, puts a lot of volume on you, talk shit. The UFC really, really has a great opportunity here to make one of those two a viable contender for the winner of um, Cannoneer and Adesanya. Now, look, I realize there's Costa and Rockhold, and they have more name than what, what have you done for me lately. And then they have Robert Whitaker, who unfortunately is 0-2 against Adesanya. But Adesanya hasn't ruled out a third fight. But if Cannoneer wins, that opens things up. And the last thing I wanted to say, I love the insurance. It gives the title fight as well. Those are two great, great middleweights. And if one of those guys can't go at the top, and let's say, obviously, the biggest case would be if Cannoneer doesn't make weight or whatever, you got one of those other guys slotted, ready to go. Yeah. And just to, just to follow up on a point you made there, Adesanya was 17-0 when he fought for a UFC title. But in the UFC, I think it was his sixth fight when he fought for the interim belt, seventh fight in the UFC when he won the undisputed belt. So it's not that different from Pereira in Safaris. Pereira's had, I think, six pro fights. So mm-hmm. well, I say it's, it's, it's very different, isn't it? What am I talking about? He's got, in terms of mixed martial arts experience, Pereira is much greener than Adesanya right. was when he fought for a belt. But Adesanya in the UFC went up that ladder pretty swift. Um, I remember I was, I think it was the International Fight Week event, actually, when he fought Brad Tavares at the Pearl of the Palms. Um, I think it was at the Pearl of the Palms. And uh, it was a superb performance. Absolutely superb performance against Brad Tavares in the tough finale. That was back in 2018. And that was only his third fight in the UFC. And at that point, it looked like he was a champion waiting to be crowned. And that was only his third fight in the UFC. Just the way he just pieced up Brad Tavares, who is no one's fool. He's one of the most durable guys in the division. And he put a beating on him for five rounds. So, yeah, interesting to see how that fight's going to go. Who are you picking in that one, Goes? I mean, what's your take on this middleweight title picture? Because look at the rankings and almost everybody in the top six or seven, Adesanya has already beaten them. Um, so once you get past this one, Jared Cannonier, if he gets past Jared Cannonier, maybe you got Pereira and then look further down the list for fresh, fresh meat. You've got Darren Till, but Darren Till's got to win some fights first. And, he's and then the, other, the only other two names that you can really throw into the mix are two guys who aren't even in the, in, in the division right now. That's Hamzat Shumayev. And maybe if they would ever agree to fight each other, Kamara Usman. Um, because there's not a lot else at 185 pounds for Adesanya. If he gets past this fight, maybe he's got one, maybe two more, and then he's kind of cleaned the division out. Yeah, there really isn't. And we've kind of seen what happens when he goes up. So it's kind of a, a pickle that the UFC is in. But Sean Strickland right now is kind of on a roll. You know, the guy's just putting things together. Um, I think both fights are real sellable. Uh, Pereira just on what he's been able to do alone. He'd be the first guy that I think that I feel would actually be quicker than Adesanya. Adesanya doesn't usually face guys that have that speed. You know, it's usually power or wrestling or something. So that kind of makes things interesting. You could always sell it with Strickland, but do you want to let that genie out of the bottle? I mean, who knows what that guy's going to say or do to sell that fight? Um, I don't know, man. This is really kind of a coin flip for me. Um, it's hard for me to go against Strickland because I know he just doesn't stop. He's a Terminator. He's going to be in your face the whole fight. If you look at his last fight, like even in the later rounds, that dude just wasn't stopping, man. So I, I think I'll probably give the edge to Sean Strickland, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Perea got him. Yeah, you look at the man's record. He's not had a real dip in form in his career. He's had a couple of losses, but the big thing that really – if, if affected is the right word to use, affected his career, he had a couple of years away. He had a year and a half or so, or two years away. But when he came back, it's like he hadn't missed a beat. And, you know, he's on, I think it's a six-fight win streak right now, is it? Six fights? So he's absolutely flying going into this. And if he deals with Alex Pereira, that's a statement. And I think he does rocket himself to the top of that contender list. Because you know he'll be, he, he's going to have something to say on the microphone, isn't he, if he wins that fight. So, he's got um, it. He has yeah, well, he will. He will. He's not going to be shy about that. He'll be saying plenty yeah. during the week, I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure Pereira will already have some things prepared as well. One guy I wanted to talk to you guys about, and it's a guy who 
he's been he's been earmarked as a star for years now, and he's taken his career in I think quite quite a mature way in terms of not trying to go too fast too quickly. And that's Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley is kicking off the main card on Saturday night against Pedro Munoz. This is the the biggest test I would say of his career. O'Malley's ranked thirteenth in the UFC bantamweight division. Pedro Munoz is ranked tenth. This is a gateway to the really big fights at 135 pounds. I know that if he beats Pedro Munoz, he's going to want uh, a new contract. He's going to want a serious pay bump. And then he's going to want to go fight those big guys and maybe work his way up towards the title. But up till now, he's been quite happy fighting those guys on the fringes of the top 15. Um, and other than that loss to Chito Vera, he's looked pretty good. So, And, and obviously that was an injury, injury-based defeat. Injury caused by Chito Vera, but an injury-based defeat nonetheless. So this is a big fight for him against a guy who can really bang. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Is this the start of a real push for Sean O'Malley to actually become a championship contender at 135? Because it's not something that's really been pushed yet um, because O'Malley himself hasn't really gone big on that. Is this the start, do you think, George? Yes, because Munoz is a respected ranked fighter. Sometimes you can make the rankings, but the respect isn't there because you may happen to land at a time when the division's suffering a little bit, the turnover. You know, the a few veterans got hurt or retired while the new guys just didn't, boom, plant that flag as established uh, ranked fighters. And so Munoz has put in his time in this sport. Munoz has great calf kicks. Munoz comes from that American top team, so he's always going to be prepared because he's got great training partners and great coaches. And Munoz has some really, really nice hands. So a win over Pedro Munoz, for us hardcores, for the promoters, the matchmakers, hell yeah, this is tremendous. For the casual fan, well, you'd be better off beating a Cody Garbrandt. He's way more popular than than Pedro Munoz. But Pedro Munoz is just, um, like I say, he's, he's... on that same level, you know what I mean? So it all depends on who you're trying to appeal to. The UFC is obviously trying to appeal to everybody, but they, they want to grab those casual fans. So um, that's why, you know, if you think about it, every case is unique and different. O'Malley has to do a great job of talking about how great Munoz is, you know what I mean, to help sell the fight. So, yeah, I know you want to say that your eons better than everyone else, those levels to this, this, that, or whatever. But part of putting yourself over in that situation is putting your opponent over, you know, in the press conference, in the social media. You wouldn't have to do that with a Cody Garbrandt or a Dominic Cruz or anyone else. They're already established, the casual. Remember, we're just talking about the casual. But with Pedro Munoz, I think he has to put a little bit of work in there. Um, I have a love-hate with, with, with this guy because on the one hand, like, ah, I think he's a little too much of an open book. Oh, I'm just going to fight, you know, I don't, I don't like call tomato king, but I'm just going to fight lesser-name fighters. Until I get paid and this, I mean, I like that when it's a little bit more behind the scenes from all I've heard, anytime he's wanted to renegotiate the UFC's all ears. So it's not like you, you're fighting the struggle. And I feel the same way about like a Debo Samuel, for example, Debo Samuel from the 49ers, either way, he's going to get paid really, really nice last year, but he's made it so public that now you're like, Oh fuck. You know, you, now you like, you almost hope they get checked, which means basically get your ass kicked in our sport just so that maybe they can get a little bit of a, of a reality check, right? Um, anyway, I expect this to be a very, very competitive fight, and Munoz is really good at what caused O'Malley problems with Cheeto. So we'll see. I, I see a lot of promise out of O'Malley, man. He's got that long frame. He throws really nice combos. He's confident. He looks like he has cardio for days, and I expect him to continue, you know, making his way up but Munoz is a very very tough test um I think I'm leaning Munoz to tell you the truth this is an interesting one Debo Samuel by the way what a player that man is he's a Swiss army knife of a player he's probably too versatile for his own good right I think that's the problem with him but can I say two other things real quick yeah yeah Uh, sometimes I like to shore things up uh because we're left wondering you were right I checked it and Strickland is on a six fight win streak and then we were talking about who else is out there. Um, let me just make a, a little pitch for Andre Muniz, who's now, I think, 6-0 and in the UFC, 12-4 and overall. He's more of a, sub, a submission guy, but when you've won six in a row, you know, like, he's got your right haul, and I think it's on this card. 
that could be big. But Andre Muniz, please help us help you make yourself a bigger star. Hopefully, you have yourself a good fight week. You know, a lot of these guys are dressing to the nines. A lot of these guys are communicating well on, on press conferences or they have great shout outs. Put in the work, guys. Put in the work on that end, too, and it pays off. Yeah, there's another middleweight fight on that card, uh, which is well worth watching. Brad Tavares, who I mentioned earlier, oh, against Drikas Duplessis. Drikas Duplessis, former KSW champion, former EFC champion. That man can bang. That man has got some serious, That's serious South African guy, power. right? Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's got some serious power. And uh, who knows? If he gets a few wins, then uh, he might be up there. Maybe they do the winner of the Uriah Hall-Andre Muniz fight against the Brad Tavares, Drikas Duplessis winner. Who knows? Uh, they're, they're literally back-to-back on the early prelims. Just going back to the Pedro Munoz card goes, uh, so fight uh, against uh, Sean O'Malley. Is this a bit of smart matchmaking? You take a look, Pedro Munoz, you know, we've just, George has been waxing lyrical about, about Munoz and rightfully so, right? He's, he's been in and around the UFC for a long time. He's earned his ranking, all the rest of it. But you look at his recent record, he's lost four of his last five. So on paper, the man has lost four of his last five. However, those four defeats all came against world champions. They all came against world champions. So how do you kind of balance that up? You know, he, he lost to Aljamain Sterling in June 2019, then lost a split to Frankie Edgar, beats Jimmy Rivera, then loses to Jose Aldo at UFC 265 in 2021, and then loses another decision to Dom Cruz at UFC 269 in December last year. So it's not like he's losing to scrubs, right? He's losing to world champions. Um so how do you balance that? You've got Sean O'Malley, who is on the way up, but hasn't fought anybody in the class that Pedro Munoz has been operating in, even though he's been coming off on the wrong end of decisions against these guys. So is this smart matchmaking? Is this the UFC giving uh, Pedro Munoz is on the downward slope to a, a Sean O'Malley is on the way up? Or is this just a, a solid matchup between two guys that should be pretty well, well matched on fight night? How, how, how do you assess this? Well, there's certain fighters in the UFC that they're just never going to be on that same wavelength. And Sean O'Malley is one of those. They're going to figure out ways to give him a little bit of an advantage in a fight. And in this particular one, you get a guy like Pedro Munoz who has a good name. But like you said, he's got a little bit of a skid. But if you look at them stylistically, I think that's a matchup that's tailor-made for Sean O'Malley. As George said, it, uh, Sean O'Malley, he likes to fight long. He's one of those guys that's long and uses that to his advantage. He knows how to throw strikes to get to his opponent before they could even get to him. And Pedro Munoz, who is he? He's a little twister, right? He comes in and he likes to throw little looping punches. He's going to get tagged before he can even get in there. I really think it's a tailor-made matchup for Sean O'Malley. And I think they're looking out for him. It's weird because O'Malley, you know, he'll say these crazy things, but he kind of gets it done, right? Like when he was talking about how much money he wants to make and He's driving Lamborghinis, right? He's giving away money at Walmart. He's kind of doing what he what he says. But I, I just think Sean O'Malley's a good fighter. I don't think he's a great fighter. And the people at the top of that division, there are a lot of great fighters. And I think eventually he's going to run into his kryptonite. But uh, if you want to buy some time, if you want to sell tickets, yeah, a guy like Pedro Munoz should do the trick. Yeah, and you mentioned the fact that Sean O'Malley fights long, doesn't he? He's got a, he's got a good reach. I just checked the stats while you were talking there. Pedro Munoz has a 65-inch reach. Sean O'Malley, 72-inch reach. Wow. That is a, but, that's a big, big reach advantage for Sugar Sean O'Malley in that fight. But the two guys, guys who prefer to stand and bang, you know? You guys would you guys would agree with this. That Chris Moutinho guy who they got last notice, he gave O'Malley hell before O'Malley finally finished him. Had that been a Pedro Munoz? I'm not sure O'Malley gets out of there with a W, you know what I mean? Um, Moutinho just turned out to be super, super tough. Now, Munoz is a little bit older. He's probably got some more wear and tear. But I've still seen some holes in O'Malley at times. And um, he definitely has a high ceiling. And if he gets there, he'll be really, really a tough SOB. You know, But because he's taking things so slow, at the same time, I think us as media, we're also taking things slow and giving them props where, we, where, where it's appropriate and, and then also stopping ourselves from also saying, Hey, look, you know, he he can take out this guy or that guy because there's some tough cats at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you take a look at take a look at that that record of Pedro Munoz. Seven career losses, none of them by stoppage. He's never been knocked out, he's never been submitted. All his defeats have been on the scorecards. So 
that's the challenge for Sean O'Malley, right? You've got a guy who, on paper, has lost four of his last five. All four of those defeats have come to world champions, um, and they've all come on the scorecards. O'Malley goes in there. If he can hand the, the young punisher a stoppage loss, that is a real statement. If he goes in there and finishes Pedro Munoz, that is a, that's a statement-making performance. And uh, I think it's time to put the rocket boosters on him, give him someone in the top six and just see what he can do. But every time Sean O'Malley is on a fight card, it's worth watching. I remember watching him. Do you remember Quintet Ultra? They did that one year. It wasn't International Fight Week. I think it was like just November or December in Vegas where um, they did a pride. I think it, I think it was a pride team. Yeah. It was a WEC team. It was a UFC team. And there was a strike, uh, force. strike force team. That's right. O'Malley competed in that. Um, mm. And... Did all right. Held his own, you know. Bear in mind, he, I, th- I think he, uh, I think he, I think Cub Swanson picked up a really nasty injury in that, if I remember rightly. I think he did his knee in that quite badly. Yeah. Um, Jake Shields. But, um, yeah, and I remember O'Malley at one point was trying to grapple Hector Lombard, which was, and this was a a non fight camp Hector Lombard, so he was big. That's a big lump of a man, and uh, you know, but he's he's pretty tidy on the ground. Sean O'Malley, obviously Pedro Munoz. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but yeah, that's going to be um, that's that's going to be an interesting fight, no matter where that goes. You know, it's no it's no uh, cakewalk for either man. I think whether it goes stand up or on the mat, it's it's, it's going to be a great great matchup. I'm really looking forward to that. Just taking a look on this fight card, there's so many different so many different talking points, so many different matchups. A little bit of something for everybody. You like the old school guys, Robbie Lawler's on the card. You want some of the young up and comers, Ian Gary is on the card. You like the women's fights? Jessica Iron Macy Barber is on the card. Jessica Rose Clark is kicking off the uh, the whole event. So looking down that card, guys, if you were picking a fight out that, that aside from those fights on the main card, that people should make sure that they, they check out and uh, sort of make sure they pay extra attention to, what would you, what would you highlight for people to keep a close eye on at UFC 276? What do you reckon, George? Um, all right, I'll go with one, but if we have time to do one more circle, I'll give you another one. So we kind of already teased it. I like Brad Tavares against uh Duplessis, and I think they're gonna stand and bang. I don't see anyone too interested in taking the fight to the ground. Duplessis is more of a finisher, and I think that's something that's plagued uh Tavares's rise as he goes to a decision a lot. But as I watch Tavares fight, not just that practice at Extreme Couture, but when I watch him fight. He throws some hard kicks. He throws some hard punches. He just hasn't been able to get there. But I see, I feel like he is turning a corner and the power's there. It's just that he's been set back with these. I think he had forearm or elbow setbacks, you know, injuries. And so he's had like some time off right, right around that. I always consider 26 to 34 like this sweet spot of you still retain a lot of your athletic ability, but now you have a ton of experience. And then, of course, as you get past 34, it's more experience, but maybe you're not as spry as you once were. And so he, he's taken a hit in some of those years where I think he could have maybe been able to show that off. Now, perhaps I'm being a little bit biased, um, but I expect I, – I, either way, the fight's going to deliver. Yeah, Drikas Duplessis, in my opinion, he's one of the best-kept secrets in the UFC's middleweight division. I really do think – he's capable of having a real run at 185 pounds in a division that is a little bit stagnant, if we're honest, other than Adesanya being a superstar at the top of the division. There's not a hell of a lot of movement in that top 10, and they could do with an injection of fresh blood in that in that top 10. Duplessis could be the guy. He's only lost twice. Once was against Gareth McClellan, who actually used to fight in the UFC way back, uh, the first South African fighter, I think, um, in the UFC. Had a big old beard on him. Um and uh, fought a couple of shows in Europe. And uh, he was the middleweight champion of EFC, South Africa's main MMA promotion. Duplessis lost to him much, much earlier in his career. It was like a 7th or 8th pro fight. And the only other fight he's lost was to Roberto Soldic in KSW at welterweight. That was a welterweight title fight. Roberto Soldic, for those who don't know KSW and don't know him, he's one of the pound-for-pound hardest punchers in the sport. Like He's an absolute monster at 170 pounds and uh he and Duplessis had a wild uh little series they went back and forth had two fights they had one win each uh knockout win over the other so unbelievable fights between those two 
Duplessis, I think, could be a real contender. And if he gets, if you can get a finish over Brad Tavares, anybody who can stop Brad Tavares is legit. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. And that's so early on the fight card as well. I think it's the second fight on a card, is it? So it uh, is. Yeah, yeah Do you don't want to sleep. This this is a deep card. Fight card. The fight past prelims are, are, are pretty stacked. Guys, what do you reckon? What's uh, what's what's on your radar? Muniz and Hall. I think that's going to be a banger. The only problem is, man, you never really know what Uriah Hall you're going to get in a fight, and that can kind of suck. But if he shows up, that's going to be a good one. And the way you hear Uriah Hall talking and even forecasting the future, um, I think uh, I think this one will be a really good, fun fight. But I hope he's got his mindset on his opponent because Muniz is no joke, dude. You can't overlook that guy. Eight fight win streak. I'm just looking at his record now. 22 and four. Eight fight win streak. 22 wins. 15 by submission. Do not go to the ground with that man. He will take one of your limbs home with him. So, um, by the way, yeah. I'm a little disappointed when you asked that question that I didn't hear. Four minutes on the clock. You start us off, George. Oh, there we go. <laughs> see, it's, it's it's like the old days, isn't it? The old spinning yeah. back click. But um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward. Everywhere you look on this card, there's 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 interesting fights. I'm going to shout out Ian Gary. Ian Gary against Gabe Green, and Ian Gary's the story, right? He's he's the guy who he's on the up and up. Former Cage Warriors welterweight champion, not shy of a bit of confidence. This man is very confident um, and uh, more than happy to to speak his mind in interviews. And uh, I'm sure that will rub some people the wrong way, but. He's he's a hell of a fighter, and he's still so young in his career. And I love the fact he's at Sanford MMA. I think Sanford MMA is a great place for him. They've got so many top draw fighters in that in that gym, and they've got some really strong welterweight fighters in that in, in that gym. Lots of Gilbert Burns and people like that who we can really learn off. Even the lightweight, you know, Michael Chandler is a big lightweight. You know, learning and sparring with guys like that on a daily basis during training camp must be such a benefit for someone like him who is still so young in his MMA career, but they've given him a really tough out in Gabe Green. Gabe Green has looked really impressive. I remember when he'd started at the UFC, um, I think I was writing for MMA Junkie at that point, and he fought Daniel Rodriguez in his UFC debut. And I used to do a rookie report on MMA Junkie. I used to write about every rookie performance in the UFC. And um, he fought really well against Daniel Rodriguez, who is obviously doing very well at welterweight now. I think he's ranked at this point. So, um, and lost the decision. And since then, he beats Philip Rowe and absolutely starches Johan Lioness uh, from the former CFFC champion, who is a, a, a big old unit for 170 pounds. And he finished him in, in the second round. Gabe Green is legit. And I think this is going to be a really good test for the future, Ian Gary. Um, as I say, this is this is the biggest stage for him right now. Fighting in Vegas, International Fight Week, big fight card. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. George, you said you've got some more. Well, you know, like Brad Riddell, I know he just took a loss to um, Fizia, if I'm not mistaken. Prior to that, he had really had a nice run. He's got Jalen Turner, who started off eight and five, but now he's peeled off four in a row, all finishes. So I, I just expect it to be a nice slippery fight where they're going to they're going to they're going to grapple they're going to strike it's going to go a while might there be a finish maybe i don't know um but just both guys i know can go hard for for 15 minutes and then i think i'm you know, i'm not breaking any news here brian barbarina when he fights it's got slobber knocker written all over it now robbie lawler's pushing 40 i believe i don't know his exact age i know he's getting up there it's not the old robbie law but he knows how to gauge his gas tank, another Sanford MMA guy. And so you can see he's a lefty, right? He may not throw as often as he does, but when he explodes, it's like, you know, you hold your breath. If I'm if I'm a family member of the other guy, that's what I'd be like. Oh, no, tell me when it's over because Robbie Lawler can uncork it. And he still has that power. It'll never go away. Um, Barbarina's hittable. In fact, I almost think Barbarina doesn't get going until he's been hit a few times. So that fight has the potential to be like a, like that slobber knocker I described. Two veterans just going at it. It also has the potential to suck as well because Robbie Lawler has slowed down. And if he's just too, too um, patient and if Barbarina at the same time, you know, like stays away from that, 
suck at times, not overall. It won't suck as a fight. It'll be a good fight. It'll just have these pockets where I think maybe things can slow down. I've uh not I'm not I'm not forecasting a Esparza Nama Yunus round one esque type of round, but just pockets is what I meant to say. Yeah, and Barbarine, I mean Barbarine is one of these fighters. He he's in your face from minute one until the final bell. You know, if you don't get him out of there, he's gonna be a pain in your backside for the entirety of the fight. And it's up to you to deal with him. And his last fight against Matt Brown, I remember, he, you know, that they, they booed the place down for him because he was against Matt Brown in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, you know, that's that's Matt Brown's home territory. And uh, he got the split decision win, uh, did Brian Barberina in that fight. I think we're going to see a similar kind if, of fight. If, you ever, if you ever have a moment where you guys are going out for the evening and your bird says, all right, I'll be ready in 30. You're all showered. You're having a drink and you're just waiting for her. Pop in Barbarina versus um, Vicente Luque. I guarantee you that fight could strongly be considered a Hall of Fame fight just because of how nutty it was. I don't know if you guys remember. It was about three years ago. The only problem was, was at the beginning of 2018 or 19, whenever it was. And, it, yeah. you know, you want to be impressed. You want to finish strong, right? So when these awards come around, it's whatever help <laughs> happens at the end. Or if there was a title fight, that usually carries more weight. But that fight was something else, man. Watch it again while she's getting ready. It'll only take you 15 minutes, uh, 17, if you throw in the, the, the you know, in between the rounds. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. Yeah, Vicente Luque, what a fighter he is. Another one out of uh, Sanford MMA. And obviously, yeah. Robbie Lawler coming out of Sanford MMA. I think. I think that's going to be that's going to be a banger. I mean, this is all killer, no filler. This fight card. You got another one you can throw in the mix, guys? Well, I mean, I think we kind of said it earlier, but the Cerrone fight. I mean, whenever you get legends like that going at each other um, with those types of styles, it's like it's going to be fun whether it's on the feet or on the ground. I think that'll be a good one. But top to bottom, yeah, it is kind of hard to go wrong with this card. Yeah, we didn't even yeah. mention Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate much. You know, that's got it's historical in, in the sense that Misha Tate's. Pretty much a legend, man. A, sport, a former strike force and UFC champ, you know. And then Lauren Murphy had a nice run until she got checked by Valentina. But those are those are quality flyweights. And if Misha Tate wins that fight, I think there is a reasonable chance that she gets the next shot. I really do. I know we talked about it on a previous uh, episode of the Brit Pack United Nations, and Valentina Shevchenko has options. She certainly yes. has options. Misha Tate is one of them, um, and uh, a very sellable one if she can get past. Uh, lucky Lauren Murphy on Saturday night. So many good fights. I'm looking down this fight card. Is there a fight we haven't talked about? Jessica I versus Macy Barber kicks off the, the televised prelims. Well, yeah. That's an interesting one. You know, that's a crossroads fight in many ways for both of them. Jessica I, former mm -hmm. title challenger. I think she's trying to find her feet again a little bit. She's she's sort of dropped off a little bit. Macy Barber, obviously, there was so much hype around Macy when she came through the contender series. She's sort of hit a level a little bit. And now I think she's starting to find form again. I think she's starting to, she's starting to grow as a mixed martial artist. And I think that's going to be a really, really entertaining fight. She's on a two fight win streak. She beat Miranda uh, Maverick by split decision. I'll be honest. I thought Miranda Maverick won that fight, but then she beat Montana De La Rosa. Uh, certainly that was a much stronger performance. And now she's in there against Jessica. I, who obviously former title challenger, but, since that loss, that devastating head kick loss to Valentina Shevchenko, she beats Vivian Arujo at UFC 245, but has lost three straight decisions to Cynthia, Cal Cynthia Calvillo, Joanne Wood, and Jennifer Meyer. So she desperately needs a win right now. And uh, when you've got someone with their back against the wall, uh, they tend to come out swinging. So that could be a really entertaining fight to kick off the televised prelims. That'll be on... I assume there'll be ESPN. Will it be on big ESPN for this one? Because it's the international fight week. Or will it be ESPN big ESPN Plus? will have the featured prelims. I think ESPN mm -hmm. Plus will have the, the early prelims. But yeah, for Jessica, I think Darren Elkins, I mean, a veteran of the sport, but on a on a losing streak, Darren Elkins just posted on Facebook that he got a new contract. If she wants to continue fighting, you can't go 0-4. Um, she has to win this fight, Jessica, I, because really there's – She's already done the title challenger part, and now you start becoming that gatekeeper again, the person that can put the younger talent over. But at zero and four, they can find you know others that can do that. So this might net her a new contract. Um, 
I know she does the OnlyFans thing or whatever. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe she just wants to finish out a contract. Who knows? But if she wants a new contract, you take out Macy Barber. Because the one thing Jessica can do is she can connect with an audience. She's pretty charismatic on the mic. So she can say the yeah. right thing, especially if she can get a finish or it's just one hell of a fight and she's dripping in blood. You know, she may she may earn herself a new contract. So it's big. Every every single one of these fights just has a little bit of that tone, you know, of um, somebody could be on their last final fight or so or someone's fighting for their job or someone wants to be a contender again because they're forgotten about. Um, so it's really, really exciting. Well, she'd take a Macy Barber, goes. You know, she came in. There's lots to talk about becoming the youngest champion, uh, beating John Jones's record. That's all gone very quiet, um, mm -hmm. understandably. Um, but yeah, you know, she's still in in there, and she's shown noticeable improvement over uh, over the last couple of fights. And and now I think like we're finally start because all that talk about trying to become the youngest champion has kind of fallen away. It's allowing her to just get on with being a being a budding fighter and working her way up and i think we're beginning to start to see some sort of uh some some real growth out of her do you think she's got enough enough in the locker to beat jessica i who yeah her form's not great but she's been operating at a much much higher level in her mm -hmm. career i think she has enough to beat jessica I, and i feel like that's why she's in that position the ufc has has helped her out a lot you know but she just hasn't been able to translate that exactly the way that she should for all the hype that she's been given. Um, I think she's going to turn it around, but I don't know that she has enough to compete at the top. I think she's just going to be one of them girls that kind of grabs a couple wins, takes a loss, grabs a couple wins, takes a loss. Um, there's certain fighters when you see them come around, you just know they have it. And we they kind of led us to believe that she was one of those, but it didn't really pan out that way. Yeah, it's interesting because both there are parallels with Macy Barber and uh, Sean O'Malley. Both came through the Contender Series. A lot of noise about their respective stories as they came through the Contender Series. And they arrived in the UFC with a fair amount of hype behind them. And there's a lot of talk about will one of these two be the first UFC champion to come out of the Contender Series, you know? And, and it's interesting to see how their careers have sort of taken very different paths, right? O'Malley has been largely successful right it's been pretty much other than that one loss to Chito Vera you've seen his star just rise and rise and rise it's been incremental it's not been it's not been the meteoric rise that maybe people thought it would be but he's been working his way up and managing managing his career pretty smartly I think whereas Macy was a whole load of noise at the start of her career a few wins then she found a level back-to-back -back losses and now it's kind of a rebuilding job so I'm really interested to see how she gets on against uh against a jessica i who as as you say back against the wall she really needs to win this fight we might as well wrap this up by mentioning the one fight that hasn't been mentioned on this card which is the first fight of the night jess jesse jess jessica rose clark against julia stoliarenko is the first fight on that card uh jessica rose clark very popular fighter she's been in the ufc for a few fights now i think this will be her eighth fight in the ufc um, she's looking to bounce back after losing to uh, the Swiss fighter, Stephanie Egger, last time out. Stoliarenko, she's on a three-fight skid. She's on a three-fight skid. She hasn't won in the UFC. So this is win or bust for her. So very important fight for both women. But, you know, the motivation for both of them is they got to bounce back. This is a bounce-back fight for one of them. Will it be Jesse Jess or will it be Stoliarenko? What do you reckon, George? Jesse Jess, I'll be open about it. She's been to our studio plenty of times. She... She was the one that got us to taste the Vegemite. Uh, shot it in the whole setup. So I've always had a little soft spot for her. Um, she used to be at Extreme Couture before moving over to to uh, Kieran Fitzgibbon's gym. Uh, I forget what the name of it. Up in it's Northern great. California, it's actually in Dublin, California. Excuse me, what is it? CSA. CSA. That's right, CSA. And um, so yeah, that that last loss, last I'm sorry, the last win that she had, Jessica Rose Clark. She got a little bit of her swag back, so I'm hoping she can carry it into this fight. Um, I think she could be tremendously popular if she could get on some sort of a streak, maybe a couple finishes in a row. And I'm telling you, I think she could go upwards, you know, but she's got to shake off some of those losses and then some of that time off. Uh, I think there was maybe a couple weight misses. Now she's established herself more, you know, at, at, at the division she wants to compete in. Um, but I, I got her beating Stolyarenko.
Stolarenko is man, I her the what I'm about to say is cruel. I just don't think she's really UFC level, and I think the record proves it because she was a standout up until she got in the UFC. And I think she's got she's had a no and three run. Yeah. Yeah, actually, she's had four fights in the UFC. Just oh, okay. checking her record. She actually, she actually fought in the Ultimate Fighter Heavy Hitters finale back in 2018. Oh, okay. uh, and she lost that fight as well by split decision. So she's she's on four in the UFC. She's actually on four. She's on three oh, in wow. this run. Um, but yeah, she had a she fought in the Ultimate Fighter finale back in 2018, um, and she's lost three straight in the UFC. She she got a shot in the UFC by winning the. In, uh, the Invicta Bantamweight title via split decision in her one fight for Invicta. So she steps into Invicta, has one fight, wins the belt by split, gets a shot in the UFC, has had three cracks at, at life in the UFC in this particular run, um, has yet to taste that winning feeling inside the octagon. So, um, yeah, she's going to be going all out to, to pick up a win in that fight. So, yeah, every fight covered on this week's uh, edition of the Brit Pack. It's a big week. I cannot wait, guys, to get on a flight and get over to Vegas. It's going to be so much fun getting over there. And um, what are you saying, mate? And I'm staying at oh, the, the I'm staying at what used to be called Hooters. Yeah, it's uh, Oyo. It I think it's called now. Yeah, it's okay. it's great. Anyone who's going to Vegas who, who can't fork out for one of the big strip hotels but wants to be close. That's a really good option. That's a really good option. I managed to get like a travel package with a direct flight for less than a thousand pounds. So that is nuts. I mean, I booked it literally as soon as I knew that the dates were, were confirmed for international fight week. So I've got them as early as I could. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's going to be good fun. It's going to be good fun. I'm going to be doing a few bits and pieces for a few different people while I'm over, hopefully catch up with you two guys at some point while we're there as well, grab a beer or two and, uh, catch some, some pretty tasty looking fights at UFC 276 on Saturday. Is Ab staying with you? Yeah, yeah, we're rooming. Yeah, we're okay. keeping it keeping it cheap. So uh yeah, we're both we're both uh we're room sharing spread. Are beds or same beds head to toe? Oh no, top to tail. Top to tail. You know, we oh, used to cover the, we, we we used to cover this sport in Europe, mate. We we, we used to all this bunk beds normally, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Are you no. working the event? Uh yes, I'm gonna be accredited for fighters only. So I'll be there for fighters only on, on fight night. Um, but there's a couple of little bits and pieces I might be doing for, for, uh, different people during the week, which I can't talk about yet. So, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, seeing, seeing a few familiar faces over there, um, and catching, catching some fights. Safe it's gonna travels, be, mate. Safe it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a good week, but, uh, thank you to gorgeous George and to goes MMA junkie radio is the place to find them. Uh, they do their regular show every week. They're on Spinning Backclick every week. Check that on MMA Junkies' YouTube page. Check out the Triple G show on Patreon where you get their, their extra shows as well, including a couple of segments that might feature a funny-looking English dude every now and again. And, uh, yeah, loads to check out on their Patreon, so do check that out and support what they do over there. This was the Britpack United Nations. This was a good one. And uh, hopefully USC 276 will be a good one next weekend. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We didn't even talk about those. And then enjoy <laughs> UFC 276. And uh, we'll be back to talk to you in a week or two's time. Mm-hmm.